This is the day the Lord has made. I. Amen. Listen, every day you wake up, it's a wonderful day, isn't it? You know that God has kept you through the night. He sustains you. He loves you. He keeps you. And you're secure in Him. What a blessing. No matter what else happens in all this world, uh, masked or unmasked, vaccine, no vaccine, COVID, no COVID, uh, Cardinals win, Cardinals lose. You know, he's still King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he's in charge of everything. It's good to be with you this morning, and I, I, thank, you, I thank you for coming uh, to worship the Lord. Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation, the third chapter, beginning at the 14th verse. We're going to look at the last of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Beginning at verse 14, we read, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, <clears throat> the amen, or the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you, so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let us pray. <clears throat> father, we thank you that in all of these churches there has been a word for us. And now, Lord, I pray that you will speak to us again through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So now we come to the last of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, the church of Laodicea. If a person were to uh, even give a, a hurried look at these seven churches, just a, just a quick perusal, quick glance at them, you would soon discover that if it is that this church, Laodicea, that there is not a word, not a word in the Laodicean church of commendation. Yet in spite of this absence of approval, you see, even though there, there's, there's no commendation, there, there's nothing good that God says about this church. Even in spite of that, there still is the goodness of God that has this church included among the others in this book. And that is true for any church 
in all this world, if there is but even the slightest possibility of repentance in any church, that God would hear that heart of repentance. So no matter where you think that you may be or where this church may be, in God's, in God's list of churches, if there's even a smattering of an, uh, an idea of repentance, God will hear that repentant heart. Notice in the opening address to this church that the Lord begins His message with these words, the faithful and true witness, as in verse 14, the faithful and the true witness. Even in the midst of no words of commendation, still the faithfulness of Christ is never diminished. It is never detoured as it pertains to His promises. There's a promise to this church. There is a promise to all of you. God keeps his promise. The body of this letter begins with the most serious of criticism. And we'll find that in verse 15. He says, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. So let's, let's look at this and, and let's begin by taking a, 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 a look at the founding of the city of Laodicea. And, and we will look at the reasons why this city, this city especially, of all, of all the cities that, that had these churches, these seven churches, this city especially was a city that was affluent. It flourished. Yet at the same time, the church, even in spite of its affluency, the church was lifeless and weak. Laodicea was founded around 250 B.C. by, by Antiochus II. And he then named it after his wife, Laodicea. As a city, it had the following distinctions working in its favor. This, this is what it had working for it, okay? And this led them to becoming a city of both wealth. I mean, this city was wealthy. Listen, this city had money. And it had prominence. If you lived in Laodicea, you are somebody. First, it became a place of great wealth due in part to its grazing fields for sheep. Now you say, well, how much money can you make on sheep? With the sheep came the garment industry. However, listen, not just any kind of sheep. The brand of sheep which grazed in its fields were of rare quality. These sheep produced black wool. And this raven-colored wool was considered to be of superior, superior to any other wool in all the world. This is where you got your designer fabrics. I mean, when you bought these garments... You, you paid top dollar. This was the designer's design. This was the best. If you wanted, if you wanted to dress with affluency, you bought your garments from Laodicea. Second, 
Laodicea was also known for its being a medical center. One of the medicines manufactured was an eye salve called Tephraphrygia. Probably never heard of that. Maybe you have. But uh, it was widely used in the Roman Empire. And through the sales of this eye salve alone, the city became tremendously wealthy. The third thing, Laodicea became a major player in the field of finance and banking. And banking. Not banking, but banking. Uh, Laodicea was able, therefore, to strike its own coinage. And these coins had images depicted of, of their local gods. The fourth thing, and this is, this is really big. A benefactor by the name of Hiron left the city with 2,000 talents of gold. Now, you may not know how much 2,000 talents of gold is, but a talent weighs 75 pounds. So each talent was 75 pounds of gold. And he left 2,000 of them. If you were to take present, present day wages and, and measures, that would come to the neighborhood of about 150,000 pounds of gold. And folks, that's about $3 billion, $150 million dollars. It's a lot of money. And you lift it to the city. Do you think these people had any need of money or affluence, popularity, prestige, prominence? I think they lack none of that. And I think there's a lot of pomposity, though. So then, with these four benefits held by the city of Laodicea, let's look at the social and economic conditions. It had great wealth, but the Lord states in verse 17, you are poor. It's ISAF, it had ISAF for the eyes, but the Lord states in verse 17, you are blind. It had its garments industry for clothing, but the Lord says in verse 17, you are naked. So in spite of all these positions for the city of Laodicea, or the positives rather for the city of Laodicea, the Lord pronounces negatives for the church. And in verse 18 it says, buy from me gold refined by fire that you may become rich. And he says, buy from me eye salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. He says, buy from me white garments so that you may clothe yourself. It is the world with all of its manufactured goods and its pleasures that will soon corrupt the heart. Listen, when you fall in love with the world and what the world produces, whatever that might be, when that becomes your first love, and you fall in love with all of its good and all of its pleasures. It soon corrupts the heart if not put into its proper perspective. It is not that you own those goods but those, or, the, or that money. But that money and those goods begin to own you. So we sell ourselves out to the things which the world offers us. And they become cheap and tasteless counterfeits of that which God desires to give to we, his church. The church at Laodicea thought that they were 
well situated in the spiritual lives. They had knowledge, but they mistook that knowledge for faith. They had spiritual gifts, but they mistook these gifts and failed to view it as from God's grace. They had wealth, but they mistook their wealth and saw it as a way to depend less on God. As Matthew Henry has properly said, hell is well attended by those who thought themselves to be well on the way to heaven. Laodicea had a severe functional problem. And, and due to the river located near the city being undrinkable because the river near the city was absolutely filled with mud. They couldn't drink its water. The one thing they lacked was water. So they decided, and this is where the, the, the founding fathers of the city really messed up. They decided what they would do is have an aqueduct built that would go from Hierapolis, which is about five miles away, and in Hierapolis, they had these hot springs. So they would take these hot springs, and they would take that hot water, and via the aqueduct transferal system, they would pipe this thing, and not even pipe, it, it flows, an aqueduct is like a, a, a narrow bridge that's above ground, elevated. And so the water would flow on, on an, an open climate from five miles out from Hierapolis all the way down to Laodicea. Do you know what happens to hot water after a five-mile journey? You think it's still hot? Is it cool? It's lukewarm. You want to throw up? Drink a bunch of lukewarm water. Jesus, I can spit you, I can spew you out of my mouth. You're neither cold nor hot. You're lukewarm. You're lukewarm. So they built this aqueduct. This lukewarm water then became a symbol as to how Jesus viewed the Laodicean church. Indifferent, repugnant, repulsive, and spiritually vomiting. When Jesus said, buy from me gold refined by fire, and when he said, buy from me eye salve to anoint your eyes, and when he said, buy from me white garments to clothe yourself, they were unable to do so. In spite of the fact that they were well off, these things could only be purchased by the grace of God in which they were miserably lacking. They could never buy the things that God said that they needed to have because they depended so much on their own ability to provide the stuff for themselves, but they could never get the things that belong to God because God's stuff is never for sale. It is administered by grace. It's not for sale. Isaiah 55, 1 and 2 says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, 
And your wages for it does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. It's free, folks. It's free. But they depended upon themselves. And God, we don't need you. We could do church without you. In verse 19 of our text, we read, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. And then he says, Therefore, be zealous and do what? Repent. Repent. God desires for people to come to him by grace and through faith. But here in the church of Laodicea, what we find is an unrepentant, listen, an unrepentant membership. They felt they had no reason to repent of anything because they had everything. They literally had everything. Repent of what? What could we do better than what our money has bought us? Our lives are well situated. We go home and we live in luxury. Repent of what? Spiritually, they were miserable. But they did not understand their spiritual plight. To be sure, they would say with their mouths that they were believers. But what they said with their mouths and what they believed in their hearts were two different things. The church at Laodicea, for the most part, did not know Jesus. We read in 2 Timothy 3, 5, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And then in the last part of the verse, that same verse Paul says, avoid Listen, avoid, avoid such men as these. Avoid people like this. The church had everything. They thought they had so much that they have, uh, they have felt that the, they had no need uh, of Jesus. And, and friends, listen, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot have one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the world. Jesus warns his disciples, for either he will hate the one and serve the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other in Matthew 6, 24. You can't do both. You can't be a part of this world and be a part of God's kingdom. What have you sold yourself out to? To whom have you sold yourself out to? Let's look what the Lord offers to the church at Laodicea in verse 20. He says, behold, folks, here's the verse. Here's the verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, listen, if anyone, church, are you listening? If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. 
Now, let me clarify something. I don't know why we feel like we need to use this as a verse for evangelization, because it is absolutely not that. This is not about evangelizing lost people. Who is he speaking to? The church. He's addressing the church. He's speaking to the church. So this is not about the Lord knocking, standing, or waiting at the heart of a lost person and hoping and begging and pleading with them to be saved. Oh, please be saved. That's not, that's not what this is. First of all, God doesn't beg and plead and say, oh, please, please, please. We're talking about a sovereign God. He does not beg and plead with people and weep and wail. He says, here's the conditions for salvation. Believe the gospel and repent and you'll be saved. That's the conditions. If there's any weeping going on, it'll be on our part. This is a picture of the church that bore, listen, this church bore the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus stands at the door of the church to see if anyone in the church Would anybody in the church dare to come and unlock the door and allow Christ to enter? Jesus is wanting to have fellowship with them. It is Christ who cries out to the scores of churches and says, I want to be involved in your plans. I want to be involved in your programs. I want to be a part of your purpose. He says, church, open the door and let me in. Friends, it is time for the church to have a fellowship meal. Not one where there is chicken, chili, and cheesecake, but one where there is grace and faith and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God on the church's menu for the day. When Jesus enters the church, if what he finds would make a poor meal, That church will soon discover that what Christ brings will feed our souls, will nourish our spirits. Friends, listen. Do you hear a tapping at our doors? What will we do with that? Behold, the Lord says, I'm standing at your doors and I'm knocking. Will you let me in? It's time for the church to be repentant. Let's pray. Father, I pray that if you were to stand at our doors and knock, that all of us in mass would welcome you. That we would open the door for you, Lord. That we might have fellowship with you and fellowship with one another, just as John writes. Our fellowship was with the Lord and with one another.
Lord, we want that here at Hazelwood Church. Father, give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. Not just in this church, Lord, but in all the churches that we've looked at the past few weeks. Lord, let us not be slow to respond. And Father, I pray that even here in this church this morning, if there is someone here that does not know Jesus as the Lord and their Savior, that he bore our sins on Calvary's cross, that he bore your wrath on Calvary's cross, that he died, was buried, rose again. Father, I, believe, I, I pray this day, Father, that if they would to hear and sense and discover the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives, Father, that they too would come to know Jesus. Father, I pray that you'll work on those person, in, that, in that person's heart. Lord, convicting them, convicting them of sin and righteousness and judgment. Lord, may they this day come to faith in you through the working of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.